Welcome one, welcome all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 156, The Beast Within. We are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap PCTV in a flash. I am Tatiana, and I am here with... Jessica. And May. And you can find us at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, at ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, or you can send us an email, ladieswgumption at gmail.com. And of course, you can find the actual podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Patreon. Give us your money and listen to us talk about everything, including The Mandalorian, Bridgerton, The Boys, The Witcher, WandaVision, uh, Loki, Falcon Winter Soldier, Justice League, Godzilla Kong, etc., 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 and coming up soon, The Suicide Squad. You can find that at patreon.com slash dctvgumption. And now on to news. Catwoman Hunted is an animated <laughs> series we did not know existed before we put it on this list. But it has cast its voice actors, including Liz Gillies of Catwoman. Love her from Victorious. Don't know what she's done yes. since then. Except she's been Dan- Dynasty. And- Oh, so there you go. That's right. I forgot about Dynasty. I forgot that existed. Is that still going? Is she one of the it's recasts? Because wow. they recast think... one character like three times. <laughs> oh, in, in the animated series or in Dynasty? In Dynasty. No, no she was okay. on the original Dynasty cast. Like, yeah, I oh, think like, she's like, yeah, okay, it was on okay. CW. It started on CW, and I think like Netflix gained, like, gave it a lot, a big boost in popularity. So oh, I think okay. it's still going. Okay. Well, good for her. Um, also, <laughs> she's also a cat woman. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie Beatrice is Batwoman, so that's exciting. Uh, mm. And Jonathan Banks is Black Mask. Um, mm. We also learned uh, in a new Robin slash DC Comics story that Tim Drake, you know, is uh, not straight. <laughs> 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 Yay, Tim Drake! Um, and Titan star Vincent Carthizer from Mad Men, but he played Scarecrow in Titans, was not a nice boy. He was, uh, there's multiple in investigations of onset misconduct, and he may not be coming back next season. It's possible. I, it's I don't possible. think he is, like, just yeah. straight up, like, he's not coming back. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunate for him, I guess. Uh, is he married to Alexis Fidel? Did I make that up? Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Alexis. We're going to get you out there. <laughs> anyway, uh, also, Grant had a baby. Oh, my God. Well, he didn't have the baby, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> By association, he had By a baby. By association, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he participated um <laughs> he i like like go, going back up a little bit with like the tim drake story because it was it's been out for a while but we just kind of missed it on our our last podcast i wanted to make sure that we included it here but i you know i really like the way that it was written i feel like it was like, really beautifully written in the way he just kind of like had a light bulb moment and like in the middle of a, of a fight kind of thing um that Maybe, like, the way that he was feeling and, and kind of, like, how he realized his feelings for his friend. And I think it's it's a story that probably a lot of, like, young people um, that are questioning their sexuality, I think it's it's very naturally written to um, be a story that they can see themselves in. So I think that's really exciting. And I think the next, like, continuation of that story is in December or whatever. I think it's probably like a, a limited series if I'm correct, but um, it'll be nice just to see where that goes from there. So really happy for him and people that love him um, and the way that the, they are writing the story. So I feel like that was, I just want to throw that out there that I think is a really beautiful written story. Aww. It was, yeah, I agree with that. I'm only like a couple of panels that I saw, but I read the words and they were, um, <laughs> <laughs> they were actually like wealth. It was something that wasn't just thrown in there, you know. Like it felt like no, it, was it felt like thought. it was yeah. So that was really nice. Um, so with that being said, we now have uh, Joe's unrelated Krypton thoughts <laughs> that uh, we are going to share now because Joe's watching, so that we don't have to. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Thank you, Joe. <clears throat> I finished season one. And I'm halfway through season two. I'm still really interested in the story so far. Wait, am I still reading this part, the first part, or just part two? Um, this one is from July 19th. I think part. Like, hmm? What's the one from July 29th? Because that's okay. Her, that's her part less, two. Yeah. Yeah, that's part two. So 
Just kidding. <laughs> Skipping down to part two. <clears throat> I didn't expect you all to read the Krypton stuff on the podcast, but thanks. Um, that's why we do it for the thanks. General question. When do we have to send feedback for the Love Boat episode? Oh, that Sorry about that. Uh, sorry, I re-traumatized you all. I think Krypton. she did send feedback. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I think we, should, yeah. we figured it out. We figured it yep. out. Sorry, I re-traumatized you all about Krypton. I'll try and make the recap quick. <laughs> Despite the shenanigans, there are some good moments for Lyda in season two, especially after the real Lyda returns. Well, that's good. The writers were committed to the Seg Lyda pairing throughout. I did not expect this. I didn't. Yeah, even, I didn't expect that either. Even while they were separated most of the time, it kind of reminds me of West Allen in that the OTP is clear, but the leading black woman isn't treated the way that she should be. Sad. They definitely changed Nissa's characterization and skill set from how she was in season one, mostly for plot seasons, or plot reasons, in my opinion, but again, I'm not a fan of her. Zods are still the best. Jaina and Dev M get back into the main plot by the middle. It was great when most of the main characters started working towards the same goals. While things weren't great for Lyda most of the season, the, sh- the story still showed how several characters cared a lot about her. Well, that's good. It was really interesting to see how the various characters grew or changed from season one. For example, Kem really stepped up as a hero. Mm, nice. He and Adam were a fun pairing. Oh, okay, okay. Brainiac is a good villain, but it was kind of annoying the show couldn't have him be truly defeated for future plots, I assume. Uh, spoilers, but Sag and Lyda defeating Druzod as a couple was great. Ooh, wow. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Also, Supergirl stabs parents put their foot down. Yeah. <laughs> Supergirl stabs Nair was a guest star in one episode. Oh, we had like a, a Tumblr person ask like, yeah. um, when Wallace got cast as Batwoman, like would she would never get to see stabs and be like, hey you? Like I forgot yeah. what it was. I think he played a Kryptonian, but I can't remember. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Overall, uh, season two was good, even if it was bumpy in places. If you like Sag and the Zods and the mythology of Krypton, it's worth a look. Although there was less about Kryptonian society than the first season, there were a few interesting plots set up for season three that never happened. Sad. All I right, remember. so Sas played the like the villain, the oh, okay. Doomsday. Oh, oh, Stas was Doomsday. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I would, like, right. See, I feel like. He would be great at that. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, on, on Supergirl, he's just, you know, chilling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's anyway. More roles. Anyway, yeah. That's true. He does. He does need more media roles. They didn't give him, they didn't give him shit to do in Supergirl. Oh, really poor man. Didn't. That poor man. <laughs> that poor sexy man. Okay. So now we will move on to uh, the be- the body of the episode. Joy, no joy, feedback, lady with gumption. And this is like a double dose because we have Legends and Stargirl for two weeks in a row. Exactly. We did not do it last week. We are so sorry to the five of you who care. Now we're (laughs) doing it this time. (laughs) Wow. For Stargirl. I know more of you care about Tati is a nice one. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like no one's watching Stargirl with us. more Stargirl fans than, than you give credit for. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Some of them may not have just, they just may not have found our podcast yet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. All right, well, I'm taking it away for side A, Bullying Alley slash Love Group. Over on Legends, recap times two, in 611, when the Legends track down another alien pod, they find a device that transport them transports them to a cosmic bowling alley before consulting Sarah, Astra and Rory Spooner make ugh, makes a bet against the reigning champs for a ride back to the Wave Rider, but not everyone is happy about the plan when they realize what they are up against. Elsewhere, Nate plans a romantic date for him and Zari, Ooh. but nothing goes as planned. Meanwhile, Bahrad and Gary try to distract Ava from what's going on with wedding planning, and the wedding dresses are beautiful. And I think that is- sarcastically as possible in 612 the legends are ready to get back home but after constantine overloaded gideon they are going to have to go the old-fashioned way to preserve the ship's energy trying to entertain themselves tensions start to grow high so gary suggests playing a murder mystery game to pass the time constantine decides to make the game more interesting which makes Bahrad worried about him but is met with pushback from zari meanwhile rory and gary deal with an unexpected guest that arrives on the wave rider in the form of kayla who is not dead yes beautiful what sparked joy um well you know the first episode will be really short because the only bright spot that i found at bullying la episode was the astro spooner friendship um 
which I think is great. And I like that it's continuing to grow. It's been like growing for a couple of episodes now. And um, it continued into the much better filler episode of like the Beast Slayer thing. Um, I love Clue. Um, I like the movie Clue. I like the board game. So having the legends enter into this like Clue type, I don't know, it's like half Clue, half Dungeons and Dragons with Gary trying to be like the narrator or whatever. But like this Clue murder mystery um they get transported into this game through John's like steroid magic. I thought it was cool. Even if like John being the beast in the end was a little bit predictable. Like, you know, obviously he's the beast. Um, but I do think that Sarah was originally the beast, like in, in the actual <laughs> board game. And right. I think she like killed Ava so she wouldn't have to like continue arguing over wedding planning, which I mean like same girl, like <laughs> totally <laughs> there with you. Um so I feel like that atmosphere was a more fun, creative thing, even though they still didn't go anywhere for most episodes. They didn't have like a real villain. Um, it was just the beast within title drop. <laughs> um, I feel like also what made this episode really good was there was so much more Behrad than I was expecting. I'm so pleased that he's getting to do more um, starting from his, you know, Featured, featured, focus, featured, both of those episodes, like a couple episodes ago. <laughs> um, I feel like we're seeing more sides of his personality that it's not just like dude bro smoking weed. Um, so I like that he is opening his eyes to the whole John Zari situation and John's like aggro bullshit. Like he's like the first person um in the bullying episode sorry then he when john comes back and he kind of notices something is like different about john and in this one it's more exaggerated now that zari 2.0 is back um and it just seems like john just keeps like stepping all over like behrad's like energy and his vibe he ruined the yoga um so i like that that behrad can see something is is wrong and that he's trying to um, help Zari and get her to open her eyes to something is not right with her boyfriend. Um, I don't like that Zari was put in the middle necessarily for most of the episode because John's just like being really like aggressive, like he's like really aggro for no reason. Um, and I don't like that she had to be yes, put. This is the, still the Sparks Joy section. I know. I, I get that. <laughs> it is. It is in there. You know, you have to understand the process to get to where I'm, where my life is coming from. Um, so I I didn't like that she was in the middle and that she was kind of like leaning towards the John side of it. But I did like um, when we had, they had that talk with her and her brother that you kind of got the reason why. And that is because she's actually in love with John and that she's like realizing that I love this man and she's never been in that situation before. Um, it kind of like puts into perspective um, everything that is happening and, and why she may not be um, able to see what's happening to John in the same way that Bihra does. Um, and I think that, you know, it just kind of like, you know, <laughs> made me feel like really um, emotional for, for her part in that kind of like couple because I really like them together. And John is just kind of like, in a bad place right now. So how do we, you know, move forward from that? So I like that Bihra got more to do. I like that he, his more to do had to do with helping his sister and them bonding. Um, I like that Zari is realizing how deep her feelings go for John. All of those dynamics are great. I like that Astrid and Spooner got along really well and kind of went off and, and tried to solve the game together. Um, I think the, the whole idea of, the game getting more and more real the more you go on kind of adds to the um, urgency of the situation of finding the beast. So all of that was really built up really nicely. Um, and uh, in the other side of the plot, I like that Kayla's back. I like that we were right, that she'd be pissed uh -huh. <laughs> that, that Mick left her to die. Um, and I like that she came back with Bishop because it just means that we can get back to the main season of the plot and get back on track. It feels like we've been in filler episodes. It's like right. the Beast Slayer episode where they were like stuck without power. I feel like we've been stuck without power for like several episodes now. And finally now the power is back on because the ship is back and we can like move, get moving again towards the end of the season. Right. I, um, huh? 
I said, that's it. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I was right. Uh, <laughs> so the final frame was like, you know, just like light, easy, breezy episode. And I agree. There was like not really anything to, to say about it. Not really anything to write home about. But I did like getting to see the camaraderie of the team as they're trying to figure out the bowling, right? Um, like, and Spooner, like, yelling at Mick because he wasn't doing it right. He wasn't taking it seriously. Astra and Spooner's friendship. Um, the little m- reunion with Ava and uh, Sarah where Ava couldn't get in. And Sarah was like, oh, you look really nice. That was really cute. Oh, that was cute. Um, I also loved that Gary was just having Ava try on wedding dresses and, like, making it, like, increasingly more obnoxious and ludicrous so that she wouldn't notice what was going on, right? He's like, she can't have, she's going to have a heart attack if she finds out that, that Sarah, you know, she's separated from Sarah again or whatever. That was really adorable. Um, also, apparently, Jess McCullen directed the episode. I did not know she that. She did, yep. And um, she didn't have anything to work with, but she did keep the fun, you know, atmosphere. I, I guess, like, that's so. the easiest thing to direct if there's low stakes right. in the plot. There wasn't, like, a lot of, like, special things she'd have to do, so it was, like, the good starter episode for her. Yeah. And she did fine with that. That was good. Um... All right, board on board on board. <laughs> um, <laughs> love the title, first of all. Great job. Uh, second of all, I do like that they utilized the bottleneck concept, even though it wasn't like they were trapped in one location, because obviously there was also John's house. But I did like this this whole concept of like being thrown to the game Jumanji style. Oh, it was really fun. Yeah, Jumanji, that's another board <laughs> reference. Um, and I uh, I loved just how into their little like character stereotypes they got, where it's obviously like, you know, the game is like, like Clue. Um, and we're all accusing, but uh, like assassin versus clue, I guess. I don't know, like a little mashup of that. But either way, um, I enjoyed it. I loved Ava being the detective. It wasn't Ava. It was Sarah was a French widow. Oh, Sarah was a French widow. Yeah. But wasn't Ava was detective, right? Ava was a detective, mm, yeah. but she wasn't French. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Sarah's French accent and Ava being the detective. Because Ava is always like the, you know, true crime <laughs> enthusiast. Even more right? funnier when she died for her. She's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work out uh, in, you know, in reality. The dream did not live up to, or the reality did not live up to the dream. But anyway, um, and it was, like, their reactions to, like, the dying was also funny. Um, I also, no. Okay, we can't get into that. So I will agree with you that Bayrod got to do more. We got to see more sides of him. He's protective of Zari, he's also observant, and he, like, knows something's wrong with John, uh, which is great. Um, also love Kayla, love that she's pissed, love that um, <laughs> uh, Mick, like, it was like she was gonna kill Mick, and he's like, I'm pregnant! <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> In that awful wig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another um, to add to the l- long-growing list of bad CW wigs. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I definitely look forward to us getting back to the plot because boy, have we lost it this season. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I think, I mean, the bowling episode, I agree. I didn't really like that much, but I thought it was really funny that, or even creative, that Earth was the bowling ball. Like, oh, I don't yeah, know why that I just found really that so creative. funny. I'm like, oh my God, like the holes and Zara would be like, oh my God, I can shoot it. <laughs> yes, it was just it like so random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I I thought that was really clever, and I like just the general, I guess, team building between, like, I think Spooner and Mick had a moment, you know, she's like, you know, you can still bowl with your gloves on and, and all that stuff, and then kind of um, encouraging Astra to bowl, even though she's never done it before, and she thinks she's going to be bad at it, so it was very, like, team spirit um, feeling and I really like that because I think that's where legends really soars um and also just Ava trying on wedding dresses the fact that Gary was encouraging her to continue doing it like he just kept making up all these excuses and it actually worked like I was not expecting her to just be like (laughs) no this needs to be perfect but you know she seems like um I guess for lack of a better word like a bridezilla (laughs) this Mm -hmm. instance like she needs to have everything in order in terms of like the dress and the cake whatever so her trying on the dresses um was really funny and just the montage of like them getting worse and worse but her (laughs) continuing to like stare in the mirror and be like no this is this looks fine i think no it doesn't (laughs) Um, she's relying too much on gary yeah it surely was because that that was not those were not it that's the looks were just terrible you do not need to say yes to the dress ava (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so all those moments were really good. And even the one where like Ava shows up and she's like, no, my, my, you're going to see me in my wedding dress. And Sarah's like, oh, no, but you look really cute. <laughs> so, you know, just the like nice, cute moments there for them specifically. Um, but otherwise, the episode was very throwaway. So the board game, the Jumanji slash Clue, um board game was really really great i think that they also utilized the you know limited area limited space that they had really well to kind of like heighten attention also bring what's going on with john more to the forefront and have other characters realizing it too that something's not right um i really like that because for all of these re 1.0 you know stint on back with the legends and her trying to hang out with Harad that did not work out. I'm glad that we had more Tarazi sibling moments between Zari 2.0 and Behrad in this episode because I think that it really it works organically and I like that they they had different you know they had a back and forth and they also had like different perspectives but we learned why Zari's having the perspective that she's having and not necessarily listening to her brother who was right and also the fact that like Behrad's taking charge and like he's really focused on the fact that something's wrong with John and he doesn't want that to harm his sister. So I like that, mm-hmm. you know, he was attuned to what was going on, but also being protective of her um, for good reason. And yeah, that whole like relationship was just, I think, beautifully done in general. And like you said, Jess, you know, Berhad got more to do. And I think that that was like, he's starting to really grow into his character and seeing his strengths when it comes to, you know, I feel like in this instance he had a little bit of what Zari has like he picked up emotionally on what was happening with Constantine um, whereas other people weren't necessarily picking up on that so I like that whole thing and I like just just um, Spooner and Astra going off on their own and kind of continuing to build their friendship as well and just like the the costumes and I think like Katie was having a really great time doing the fake French accent because mm-hmm. <laughs> she went so it was, overboard. It was bad. But... She's like, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's supposed to be bad, right? But that's what's funny about it. She's like, I don't think it was me. <laughs> it was so bad, <laughs> but it was really funny. Um, and even just like her being the killer, I guess, that they deduced, but it was really not her. Um, just uh, board games are just fun to do uh, in these situations. So I think it really worked out. And even like Zari realizing that John was the beast at the end because she saw his little scar when she stabbed him. Um, all of that was really good. So I think that this episode really built up the characters and the plot and with respect to John's and actually had a lot of character development on that front, as well as like what was happening with Mick and Kayla being back, which I'm glad she's not dead <laughs> because I was right. really upset. Um, so like her coming back kind of full force and taking over the ship and, you know, bringing Bishop back. Cause as soon as she's like, I have to do this. I'm like, Oh my God, are they bringing back Bishop finally? Because it has really and felt like tentacle was like in on a song with the meat. Yeah, it's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy, but I feel like because you know for the last several episodes, Legends has been like their ship kind of stranded in space for a while, and now we're actually picking up with the plot. So I'm really glad that Bishop is back in the chess game. <laughs> so um, yeah, LOL. kudos to this episode <laughs> <laughs> um, for kind of like really building the tension on all fronts. Um, but what did not spark joy with these two episodes? I felt well the most of my dislikes will be in like the first episode because I just felt like the whole bowling you know I, I love that y'all love that there was team building but I'm just like just throw it away <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like it was a giant waste of time and and you know there wasn't much there was a little bit we didn't get a lot of forward movement in the second episode until towards the end but it still felt like a better episode than this one um and I I feel like one of the things that really brought down the bowling alley episode is because like when you have the bowling alley side, which there's not a lot going there, there's stakes, but you know, it's kind of lame, (laughs) 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 but then lame villains of the week, but then you go on the B side and the B side is a hell, is still a hell stealer, steel hacker plot with Nate and Zari. And it's like, yeah, this is like the worst ship to center a plot on. I just could not care less. Um, and I feel like in, you know, they did this whole thing, like, you know, you feel like they're not connected. Um, they're going to like break up in the middle of the episode, you know, the girl that 
in the couple that they find in the woods is like basically convinces sorry that she and Nate should break up and you're not meant to be together. And I'm like, you know, I have to control myself from getting excited because I know it's just set up for them to like quote unquote <laughs> overcome by the end of the episode. Like it's very, right. very tropey and it's very tropey for the couple that I don't like. So mm-hmm. I would like for them to like, stop in the middle and not to get to the overcome part. But you know, <laughs> I knew it was happening. So it just felt like, you know, obviously they're going to overcome this. Um, and I also feel like as much heat as Behrad gives John for his shit, um, <laughs> Zari 1.0 was originally supposed to come out to hang out with her brother that she mm-hmm. never got to grow up with. That's and true. the only thing that she's done since being out, really, is to go on dates with Nate or just, like, cling to Nate and hang out with Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wish she had, like, the same energy for, you know, <laughs> Nate that he does for John, but whatever. Um, Nate's his mate. <laughs> I admit this is me, but I feel like still, like he would, you know, he would want to get to know the other Zari, or she would want to get to know him. So it's like, you know, let's not kid ourselves, writers, while you actually brought Zari 1.0 out of the the genie bobble. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, so I just, I just, it was not my favorite filler episode. And then the Beast Hunter um, episode, you have like the infamous West Allen shade from from Ava. As soon as I heard the the line, I was like, oh, this is not going to go over very well. Um, <laughs> I get where the writers were going for it because, um, you know, it's a reference to the only other wedding that they've had on their show. But the um, problem with that is no one liked the first wedding <laughs> that y'all did because you had Alyssa be hijacked. And the reasoning for, you know, because supervillains is kind of a weak excuse, like, all superheroes have to deal with supervillains. Um, it's not really West Allen's fault that supervillains crashed their wedding. Um, <laughs> I love this as a sticking point. You know, like, don't um, speak on West Allen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like, you know, and it, like Ava's personality, because she also didn't want E2 Laurel to come, um, even though she's inviting her own fake parents that have the same amount of like connection to her as E2 Laurel does to Sarah. So I feel like, you know, they could have exaggerated and gone more outrageous with it. Like, you know, I don't want to invite Alex because she, she slept with her, or, you know, all this kind of stuff that really kind of builds on Ava's kind of like brash, uh, hardline personality uh, without kind of singling West Allen out, you know. I, know. I just think about like what she said about her or her reaction to Sarah going to like Oliver's funeral. <laughs> Right, right. Like this so, is like yeah, she does this is her personality. Part of her personality. It's part yeah. of her personality for sure. But I just felt like, you know, they they could have. I think they should have exaggerated it more. Brought in like other couples or or something. Because I feel like really underneath this, she just didn't want to like West Allen to upstage her at her wedding because they're just like over the top. And I feel like that would have been less defensive. She was like, I don't want them, you know, hogging all the attention at her wedding. <laughs> I would have been less offended <laughs> at that because. You know, Barry is just like over the top romantic and and all this kind of stuff. So it was a good chance that he would accidentally do something and she'd just be like, "Can you not?" So, um, who was it that joked though that at least at least West Allen wasn't gonna hijack? Wasn't sorry. At least West Allen wasn't gonna hijack their vows. Oh yeah, <laughs> someone said that like, well, if it was Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he might. You might. I don't know. He might have done something and just be like. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, whatever. Um, it happened. I, I knew it was not going to go down well with fandom, but, you know, that's that's the way the cookie crumbled. Um, and then just, you know, more not spark joy, um, just in general, was just John's, like like I said, his over-the-top provoking of Behrad specifically um, and all of his, like, aggro stuff with his magic and very specific scenes I did not like um, when they got to the dinner and he offered them wine mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh, it's okay. Cause it's magic wine. And he knows like they're Muslim and that they don't drink. Um, so I don't like that. He kind of um, offered it. Cause mm-hmm. I just thought that was just not, uh, not right. Yeah. Peer pressure. <laughs> I think you were not wrong on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, First off, there is... Just because it, it seemed like he didn't care about their religion. It's yeah. like, oh, it's yeah. magic very, wine. Yeah, he was yeah. very yeah. jealous about it. Yeah. 
yeah, overall, I don't like what they're doing with John right now, especially because we know that John is coming to an end or whatever, you know? So yeah. I really don't like that it feels like this is how he's going to go out, and I feel like it is just disrespectful to his whole arc um, on the shows thus far, plus Constantine, the show that he came from. So I'm like, why would we go here? I don't like it. I, overall, I just don't, like, I just don't find it addiction, like, to the magic to be an interesting plotline or one that, like, a show like Legends should even tackle. I don't feel like they really... It's not like they're saying something. I don't feel like they're saying something about, like, real addiction with it. And I don't feel like John's personality up to this point really suggests it. Like, magic has just been a part of, you know, it's just something that he does. And then suddenly it's like, well, now I don't have it. Now I need it. Now it's like, whatever. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I was like, eh, I don't like, I don't like it overall. But back to the first, the first last frame, um, final frame, rather. I don't care about Nate and Zarya's relationship. Zarya 1.0. Uh, so that whole plot line was dumb. Plus, meeting, like, the dude bro and the girlfriend was just, like, why? Why are we here? It was, like, a weird plot line about, like, the relative ease of their long distance. And, like, I don't care how easy or hard it is when you do long distance because I don't feel like that's the real issue. Like, the issue is that mm-hmm. Zari is, like, a genie trapped in a lamp, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, Nate gets, like, rub it and, like, have her come out whenever he wishes. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's much worse than, like, Nate doesn't miss me enough. Like, he doesn't need me enough, so, like, what are we doing? Because, like, yeah, what are you doing, Zari? If you aren't with Nate because he doesn't need you enough, what are you going to do? Just stay in the lamp? So um, I really feel like that should, that's something they should tackle. I feel like we should try harder to be trying to get Zari out and, yeah, like, a little you, life. You'd think that she would be more worried about not having a life and getting having mm-hmm. to watch everybody else live theirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just it doesn't feel like it like it, it does Zari a disservice as a character because I feel like it's not taking her issue seriously. I feel like it's only using her to give Nate, you know, his ship or whatever. So it's like mm-hmm. Nate's not sad boy about Zari. I don't know. I just feel like it's like like it was better, lol, when Nate was just like randomly crying about how he misses his girlfriend who was stuck in a totem that we just didn't see Zari, you know? <laughs> then to actually have to confront this like Zari's not really here type of thing. Especially the way they're doing it. I don't know. I don't like it. But anyway, whew, aside from that, the bowling plot in general is just dumb, but it wasn't like, it didn't like bring me like pain. It just didn't bring me joy. So it's just like, all right. But the main thing is just Constantine. I really don't like that. Um, <laughs> I don't like how the way they're handling him. I didn't like, I feel like he and, he and Zari got serious, right? Um, and he seemed really invested. And then they started this plot. And so now it doesn't seem like they're invested in Zari. Like you mentioned the 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 wine thing, which already so is like it's it suggests like a callus is like he doesn't care about what is going on with Zari, um, or like when he like exploded, he almost like exploded the ship, and then Zari comes back, he's like, oh let me just show you this or whatever, right? And then like discuss what actually right, happened. like he just like kicked out Zari one point, and he's like, where are you leaving? Right, right. <laughs> like get my Zari back. Yeah. So 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 it is just like this like very cavalier attitude that kind of like. I don't know, like, I, I, I can see how it harkens back to, like, how he used to be, but, like, that was, like, fun, and this is not fun. I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's different. It's not good. It's not good. I don't like it. Um, but in general, even though I really enjoyed the plot of this episode and the game, it did feel like it was literally just moving the final pieces back in to get back to the actual plot. I know Legends loves to not have a plot. But it really was just kind of like, like a dangling cliffhanger of the plot. Like, this was a, we, we had a plot, we had a plot, and then we just stopped having a plot. And now we're going to have a plot again. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens from here on out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, the bowling stuff, like you said, it wasn't that it was, like, awful, but it was just, like, it was awful. I, was bo- I was I was bored. I was really bored watching. Um, it was just, like, one of those episodes where I was like, what is the point of this? Because I don't feel like anybody really got anywhere. And, I, again, I don't care about Zara and Nate. And even there, they got somewhere, but it wasn't where I expected them to go. And also, it didn't happen organically at all. It just was, like... It never does. Like, it never does. That's true. It's true. And I mentioned this in the Love Boat episode, too, is, like, if you are a ship and you need someone who you don't know, randos in the forest, who are just all over each other and yet also have their own issues, telling you that there's an issue with you without you realizing there's an issue with you, then <laughs> you are not paying close enough attention to your ship. <laughs> Nor is it really not healthy. That's not the right word. But, like... It's not at the forefront of your mind. And it's continuously frustrating, especially since, like, 
Zari left the totem to presumably hang out more with her brother, <laughs> which did not happen. And then you have her spend several episodes with Nate. And it's just like, like Tati said, you know, it's like she's she's a genie. And it's just all of this relationship has sort of become about Nate and not necessarily her. Like, why is she afraid that the long distance isn't working? Like, what is the issue here? Because at the same time, it's like, is it not going to be a problem? Are you going to live like this for the rest of your lives? Like, what is happening? Are Is Zari only holding on because of the relationship with Nate? Like, what else does she have outside of that? And if she thought about that a little bit more and the writers thought about that a little bit more because it's not Zari's fault, then they would see that she should be building the relationship with her brother and even more with Zari 2.0 so that she would have something outside of her relationship with Nate because that doesn't feel like – it doesn't really feel like she's a legend. She's sort of like an afterthought now mm-hmm. because of her relationship with Nate, and I don't like that at all. So, I mean, I would rather her be back in the totem than have her come out and only – for her to come out for Nate and also her plot to be just about him because mm-hmm. that just pisses me off <laughs> so much. Um, whereas like the opposite end of the spectrum, you have, you know, Constantine and Zari 2.0 who are actually in a, a good relationship and they're like, the writers just want to blow it up <laughs> for some reason, especially it's frustrating, especially since like John is going through all of this, and I feel like it's not happening authentically to his character because they're, I don't know, I guess the writers are bored of John. They want somebody new, but they love Matt Ryan. It's really frustrating because it feels like it sort of came out of nowhere, especially since we didn't really get that much story. Like he gave the whole backstory about how his dad treated him when he was growing up and magic is all that he really had. But it was just one episode. So I feel like if they had built it up better over the course of several episodes prior to this, then it would have made sense why he's only like he's obsessed with magic and why he feels like he needs it. I think that like last season with Astro's mom, there was elements of that there, but they never really mm-hmm. kind of got into it or connected it to like the dad was just like whole new information that we mm-hmm. didn't know about before. So it just doesn't feel like it's it's they're yeah, trying it to make connected, like... but it's not like strongly connected. Yeah, for sure. And it's just it's even more aggravating because John's going through this. So there's less focus on the actual romantic aspects of his and Zari's relationship. And now Zari's in a position where she actually got to a point where she feels like she loves John. And that is being thrown out the window because now she's going to have to focus on John's addiction to blood magic. Yeah. They're both like like, going in the same direction. Yeah. But now like he's like backslid so much. It just, it's like off kilter now. Yeah, so that's just it's it's just frustrating and it doesn't need to happen and I feel like maybe now that Bishop is back maybe we'll kind of like put John stuff to the side for a little bit but I don't know. I don't like where this is going and I don't like the idea of like them trying to kill John or I don't know, getting rid of his magic completely. I don't know where they're going with this and I don't like how they've been treating him. And by extension, his relationship with Zari and everybody else. So, not happy. Do we have any feedback? Yes, Suarez sent us feedback for the last week, the bowling alley episode. All right. Suara, Suara, Suara. <clears throat> this episode was fun. Was it random? Yes. Did it have barely anything to do with the main plot? Also, yes. <laughs> but it was still fun to save the world, turned into a bowling ball through a bowling competition. Love the dynamic of the team, especially Astra learning to be a bowler. It was just so fun. Even though it didn't move the main plot, it gave our characters more time to shine, and I really appreciated that. What I didn't like as much was the Zari 1.0 Nate plot. Why? Why do they keep making this her only thing, tying her to the timeline? I'm so tired. I just want more of her bonding with her brother. Maybe? Instead, she's stuck with the most basic of white men. I really hope the writers have more planned for Zari 1.0, and hopefully find a way to have both her and 2.0 stick around. We'll see, of course. But otherwise, this was a pretty good episode. Aw, Suara, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Suara. Uh, do we have any predictions for where Legends is going next? To Plotville. Yeah. <laughs> Man Bun is back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving into side B, which is Stargirl is back with the first two episodes, Last Day School Blues and Green with Envy. 
With summer break around the corner, Pat suggests the family take a vacation after saying that Courtney has been spending too much time focused on being Stargirl and not enough time on her schoolwork and just being Courtney. Meanwhile, as Beth attempts to reconnect with Chuck, she stumbles upon a major secret her parents have been keeping from her, which is that they are getting divorced, which is the saddest thing for oh, Beth. So sad. Because I know. Elsewhere, Yolanda continues to be haunted by Bernie Reeves' death, and Rick secretly tracks down Solomon Grundy after suspecting he still may be in the area, and he's feeding him. Oh, my him. God. Wait a minute. This, was that like more heavily hinted at or is, is this like in like the actual recap or do you think it's just Solomon Grundy? Is this your prediction or is I know I the... think this was a recap. This was not the official recap. I assume it was the official one because I got it off like the wiki. Oh. But I, I like, assume I it's, it's heavily after, hinted like, at it's Solomon Grundy because okay. of like the foot and Because I saw like in the second episode, I'm like, I'm going to laugh my ass off because my ass Solomon Grundy. <laughs> because it was like heavily implied to me because I was like, is that, you know, the, the whole Bigfoot I, yeah, foot? Yeah, I figured it's like, who, uh, like <laughs> what other beast is there? So I think there's like, is there some new character that they're introducing? But yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, in episode two, still on the lookout for evil in Blue Valley, Courtney grows suspicious after an unexpected visitor shows up at the Dugan house, a.k.a. Jenny, a.k.a. Green Lantern's daughter. Meanwhile, Barbara and Pat become concerned after a visit from a mysterious antiques collector named Richard Swift, a.k.a. The Shade, wants to collect the uh, wizard's magic collection. And elsewhere, Cindy puts her plan in motion by trying to form the un- Injustice Unlimited and also trying to you know, she shows up at the door of her mother and then her mother dies, sadly. Um, what sparked joy? And not my not my plot recaps. I know that did not <laughs> <make> <laughs> <joy>. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll just say, uh, Summer School Chapter 1, um, I did enjoy, it was fun watching Court try to make fetch happen with Superhero <laughs> and her friends were like, can we just go home now? Can we just, like, karaoke or something? Like, can we just do something else? Um, I also, um, yeah, and like her more and more desperate like attempts to be like, well, what if it's this? What if this is secretly a villain? And then everyone's like, no, it's that. Um, Luke Wilson's still the MVP of the show for me. I love, I love Pat. I love the way that he makes it just feel like a '90s, like like Family Ties or something, you know, or like I don't know, whatever. Just one of those old, old family comedies, sitcoms, <laughs> sitcoms, yeah. Um, also, I did love that Court was so busy stargirling that she forgot to pass her classes. And now she has to go to summer school. That's all very believable for a high school hero, especially because she was like, no, I got it. Don't worry, I studied. And then it's like, you failed. Wait a second. <laughs> um, love that Green Lantern, Alan Scott's daughter showed up. That's yay. Um, love that Sydney is like trying, Cindy is going to maybe try to recruit Cameron slash Mike for a- ISA 2.0. That'll make that an interesting concept. Beth and Yolanda's personal struggles. I really enjoyed the way that they handled that. Um, and also, you know, Beth wanting to reconnect with Chuck, uh, Yolanda worrying about or, you know, going over in her mind what it meant to kill Brainwave. Um, those are good and well done. Uh, in Summer School Chapter 2, these titles obviously do not spark joy. Uh, Court's behavior <laughs> towards Jenny being explained as her essentially just being jealous, right? Or like seeing herself in Jenny and like not liking it, that kind of thing. Like you're everything that I should have been. Uh, that made sense. Very, you know, believable for a teenage girl. Um, and also someone who's been through what Courtney has been through. And also in general, I like, I really like Jenny's character that like try hard politeness being a veneer. Um, not that she isn't nice, but that she just feels like that's the only way that she's going to be accepted or be, you know, noticed or loved or whatever um, was good. I really like that. Um, I liked her as a character. I thought her direction was really strong. I want to see more from her. Yeah, I think what I like the most about, uh, especially the premiere episode, is it feels like this is a show that cares about all four kids. Um, All four kids got really good um, opening stories, and we got to see them process and deal with things in different ways. Um, So I like that Courtney is just so, she's, she's like, annoying just from like an like my age perspective but it's also endearing in a way because she acts like a teenage girl would act in that situation and she's always coming from like a good place um so you kind of you definitely understand all of her emotions and why she does what she does and why she feels like she has to go above and beyond because she went through such a hard time last season with building up this 
fantasy in her head about being Starman's daughter and that coming crashing down. And then, you know, she kind of finally came into the realization or acceptance that the staff chose her regardless of her lineage. And so now she kind of feels like she has to live up to the staff and live up to this expectation that the staff has that she can be Stargirl. So, um, you know, it makes sense why she's looking for danger under every rock and nick and cranny. Um, I really liked Yolanda's story. Um, I was not worried, but I was kind of like wondering if they were going to gloss over the fact that she killed um, What's-His-Face in season one, because it, it kind of like in the beginning when they were all like, you know, doing their patrol thing, I'm like, doesn't seem like they're going to address that. But then when we actually get to see her, one, in her scene in the church when she tries to go to confessional, and then two, when she talks to to Courtney about it, you get to see, you know, how she's really struggling with this. And it's it's kind of like that thing where, you know, where is kind of the line of slippery slope or not recognizing, like, what she could do or why she did it. Because you could make the excuse that, and obviously, Brainwave was a dangerous person, and he was going to continue hunting them no matter what. But that's not the primary reason why she killed him. And so that's kind of like what's sticking in her head because, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's still not, you know, it is a reason, but it's not the reason. So it's like getting to the reason. What does that mean for her um, that she was able to do that and go to that place where she could kill him and, you know, could it happen again and all this kind of stuff. So I like that there, you know, it's, she's questioning it and talking, trying to talk to Courtney and kind of trying to figure out what it means for her to have, done this action um beth i felt so so bad for her i was so surprised um when we got that her parents were divorcing um i think she's definitely going through it she lost chuck and her parents seem less invested in her and what's going on with her than they did the first season and then we find out that the reason that they're less invested in less like not around as much is because they are also less invested in each other and they're getting uh -huh. divorced and they don't That's really true. respond yeah yeah, they don't really respond to her, you know, romantic overludes of a come come together dinner. And then to top it all off, she momentarily has Chuck and he's all new phone who this and hangs <laughs> up on her. So it's like losing people again and again and again. So I feel like, you know, that's a really heavy thing for her to, to open up with and have to deal with and, and go through like on her own as well. So, so I think and then you have like um, Rick, of course, where. You know, he's actually a smart kid, and when he applies himself at school, he can do really well. But because, of, whether it's because of his background with his uncle and, and like where he lives and how he grew up or whatever, his teacher does not see that potential in him, does not trust him. Um, he did this heroic thing, and no one knows about it, and no one cares about it. Um, so, and him kind of like going through that. Um, so all all four of them, I think, had really good kind of like struggles to show you that they really cared about. Um, these four kids as characters in their own, everyone has their own journey that they're going through. Um, obviously, like, like Pat, I agree with you, MVP. He has so much patience in the world <laughs> for Courtney. <laughs> um, and still is just like a you know, good dad. I think that the um, ending of season one was great with the introduction, how we are introduced to Jenny and like the fight sequence. I thought that was a really cool way to end the episode. Um, and then going into season two, uh, season two, episode two, um, getting more of like Jenny's backstory again, like Courtney's behavior would be, you know, it's not great <laughs> the way that she treated Jenny, but because we know Courtney's background, um, it's very, and, and her being a teenage girl and, and, you know, the fact that Jenny is actually a legacy's daughter and all this kind of stuff we understand where Courtney's coming from and she's, she's still like a good person. Like generally she does want what's best for people and she likes to um, bring out the best in people is how she found the other kids in her JSA. Um, and so, you know, that's still there, even though she is jealous of Jenny at the core of Courtney, she still, you know, wants, she doesn't want to feel this way. So I think that, you know, the way that they kind of write her and play that out makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I don't have a lot to say about Shade. I know we got the um, the name drop of Jakeem, so we're going to see him more. I'm interested in seeing how he's going to um, tie into the season. But overall, I think these were two really good episodes. 
Agreed. You know, the shade reminded me of, uh, what is his face from Julian the Phantoms, the club owner guy? So, I don't know. I saw him. I was like, oh, no, it's not him. But, you know, I get the vibes. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I agree that these were, like, really strong uh, episodes in general. I like the fact that the show tends to focus more on the characters and, like, the heart of them. Sort of like how, you know, Pat was like, you need to be focus on your schoolwork and being Courtney and hanging out with your friends and having a regular life. Yeah. Exactly. I like that line. Yeah. And also just less on the superhero of it all because these are still teenagers and they have to do all of these things too and live their lives. And I like that that is something, you know, to be applauded versus like, Oh no, you need to be a superhero, but that shouldn't actually define who you are. You still have a lot of growing up to do. So I like those um, things and just the fact that Courtney always because like how she treated Jenny at first felt a lot like how she sort of not that she mistreated Yolanda, but like at first she was sort of like not all the way there with her in terms of friendship. But then like they sort of became really great friends. Um, And I feel like with Jenny, I really like the fact that through the conflict or and through Courtney's conflicted feelings of her being a legacy kid and her wanting to have that and then realizing that you know Jenny is a a nice person who was also very like confused and alone in the world like how Courtney felt so I really like that Courtney at least gets to listen to Pat that they have gotten to a point where they respect each other as like you know daughter and father relationship and also that that conflict in particular showed us that Jenny is not all she's not okay you know like she's also going through a lot in that whole she's she is a nice person and she has a great heart but also she has a lot of things going on inside of her like emotionally that she has not let out and I feel like we got to it was nice that we got to see that because like sometimes you know when people are putting not putting on a show but they have to they feel like they have to on a happy face like yeah putting on a happy face and that's what she was doing so it was nice that she got that moment to sort of like blow up and how that connected to the lantern itself and all that stuff so that was really great you know what I also like that I forgot to mention I like that Courtney apologized to Pat like mm-hmm. uh, coming out of that conversation that you're talking about when they're talking through, you know, why is she feeling this way towards Jenny? Because that was going to be in my dislikes. Like in the first episode, she had like a little dig at Pat. Like she didn't mean to, but she still had like a, a dig at Stripesy. Um, so, and, but in the second episode, she like explicitly apologizes for the beginning of their relationship and, and her not mm-hmm. really wanting to kind of like open that relationship yeah. channel. So I like that. I love that. Yeah. Growth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, I, and I just love like like team dynamic in general. We haven't gotten too much of it yet, but I like that they've kind of laid the groundwork for each of their individual storylines. Like you see Yolanda still going through, you know, what happened with Brainwave and her guilt and shame over that. But also the fact that she feels like she can't really talk to anybody about it yet, um, even though no one's really blaming her for it. Um, and then like Beth and her parents and sort of losing just like the sense of loss, you know, that Beth for us is, you know, she's always been really happy and she's always been very vibrant. And now she's going through all of these things that make her a little bit less so. Um, And then Rick and Solomon Grundy and whatever he's got going on there. So like the, the, the groundwork is being laid for something bigger. And I, I read somewhere that basically like Eclipso is gonna, you know, dig into those feelings that they're having and like use it, so I, I like that they're all going to be in this place where they all get to have a individual storyline with the main villain of the the show. So I like that a lot. And just in general, like the family vibes. I just I love Pat, too. I think he's like MVP dad. He is just a very calming presence. He's a very grounded presence. I think he always has like, you know, the logic. He always logics his way out of it. And he's always like, you need to chill out. Right. <laughs> Um, he's sort of like the the Mobius to Loki, I guess, which is funny because they're brothers. Um, and just like him being just a solid presence oh, sure. for everybody in the it's family. Like, Mobius and Loki aren't brothers. <laughs> I remember she went, he meant Owen Wilson. I mean, Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That would be the biggest plot twist. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, like strong episode all around. I love that the fact that there's just little things that they're putting in that they're gonna follow through on later on in other episodes. So we, like we got Jenny at the end of the um, episode one, but we actually got to hear more of her backstory in episode two, and just like the friendships and camaraderie and all the potential storylines that are being built up, and it never feels like it's being too over the top, and it never feels boring. So you know, kudos to Star Girl season two so far um but what did not spark joy if anything um i will say that i'm not a big fan so far of the eclipso storyline and like the finding of eclipso and like little you know voice channeling through cindy and like controlling her actions or whatever i feel like i would rather see her be a badass supervillain in her own right also you know i understand that killing the stepmom off is like raising the stakes and whatnot and like, oh no, Cindy lost control or whatever. But I didn't like it. <laughs> I did not want so Audrey dead. And also, I just feel like if you're gonna raise stakes like that, later would be better. Just because I just feel like so far it's just been like Cindy's like, okay, I'm gonna do something. Oh wait, I have gone too far. But it's only episode two, so I will continue on. So I don't know. I feel like there would be like much more of a break, a more interesting break being point later on. Hmm. Um, also, you know, I know. Jessica just made an excellent case for show caring about all four of the kids, but I do and not I, care about all four of the fair, kids. To be fair, I think they cared about him the less. The <laughs> <least>. <laughs> yeah. In terms of story, so, he was at the bottom. No offense to Rick, but I was like, I don't connect with your struggle. Like, oh no, people don't believe in me, even though I was superhero. I was like, all right, okay, okay, Rick, this is very sad. Um, but anyway, also, Court was just way harsh, Ty to Jenny. And she's like, all right, relax. <laughs> relax, Court. And then by the time she realized her mistake, and then, like, you know, she was like, okay, no, Jenny, it's cool. And Jenny, like, realized that her powers were connected to her emotions through the lantern. She is the lantern. It's all very exciting and cool and fun. She gets to fly. And then she's like, okay, bye now. I got what I needed to get. I'll see you guys later. And I was like, what? So, yeah. I need more Jenny, basically. That's all. Oh, that's all. That's all. That's all. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I forgot. You guys went to the shade. <laughs> Shade's fine. Like, I like the content of the shade and the story, like, the character of the shade in the comics. But, like, so far, I was like, okay, sir. Um, and then, of course, it came to Barbara. And I was like, don't come to Barbara. Right? <laughs> Barbara, storyline that is relevant. <laughs> what is happening? So, yes, there you go. Now that's was- all. Okay. I will say that in the beginning, I think you, either you mentioned Eclipso or someone mentioned Eclipso. And I was like, oh, that's what that's supposed to be. I did not put together <laughs> season one finale to the to beginning to like know that this this little rock thing that Cindy's putting up to her eye, what it was supposed to be doing, um, and that it was Eclipso. And I feel like I feel like it, this is one of those things where they're leaning banking more on comic book people to know Eclipso and what who Eclipso is and and what it does um but for general audience people that are just coming into Stargirl a little bit more explanation about Eclipso would be nice so I feel like that is kind of missing on the villain side um also you know I agree with you with with Cindy first of all I didn't even know who this woman was (laughs) And when they opened up the the episode with her stepmom, I was like, I didn't even, I forgot you were in the story until Cindy, like, showed up. Um, but, and it, it didn't really make sense to me how, you know, she does a little eye rock thing. And Cindy's mom is, like, taken over. But what she sees is, like, Eclipso telling her to kill Cindy. I'm like, how does that make sense? Like, why would Eclipso... Like, why would Cindy use Eclipse if Eclipse is going to make people try to kill Cindy? Like, I don't understand. So, you know, a little bit, I think, and I think that has to do with, like, the backstory of Eclipso um, not really being um, presented much at all on screen. So I feel like they need to do that to to make it make sense to people that don't have that comic background or know who Eclipso is. Um, yeah. Basically, that's it. <laughs> I think most of mine are like on, you know, just like the, the the villain plot raising stakes don't seem to be that. This this is the weakest part of the show at the moment. Yeah, this is not a dislike, but I really don't trust the new guy who just kind of inserted himself at Pat's shop. I'm like, who are you, sir? Zeke? Why are you here? I think he's he's like harmless. 
<laughs> I don't know. Everybody just rolls into Blue Valley. I'm like suspicious of until they prove. He didn't roll. Like he was already there. Like he, we just. This is the first time that we're seeing him. <laughs> he's just kind of like the eccentric like guy that likes robots. Apparently, yeah. Zeke. Okay. Zeke the freak. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I agree about the Cindy stuff. Um, I also did not realize that was her mom until she showed up because I was like, is this because you know how the first episode started with like, in yeah, the 50s, I'm like, yeah, 60s or whatever. Yeah. So I thought it was like another thing oh, where we were going to get that again. It was like McNiter. <laughs> yes. So I wonder. Okay. Prediction. Think he, I think, ahead. yeah, I'm pretty sure it's his daughter probably. Um, so I thought that was like, th- that was going to happen here, except Cindy shows. I'm like, oh, right. I forgot that she <laughs> mom <laughs> but um i didn't really feel the impact of that just because we didn't really get like cindy so far i like her and i like the concept of her character i just would like to see more in terms of who she is and you know her playing off of other people besides the villain who's clearly using her for his own intentions um because i feel like so far she's just bad to be bad and i don't i want more from her especially after last season she like killed her dad like how is she feeling you know things like that rather than just moving from one villain plot to the next villain plot not really having any time to breathe um so i do wish that they would like treat cindy more like they would treat the superhero teenagers and give us a little bit more on her end um and i mean i also like the concept of the shade i think he's like super cool walk strolling into town this little cane but you know it's more of maybe because like this the show doesn't really have like a weekly villain per se so we're sort of getting just little hints and clues of what's going to happen but you know i agree especially about eclipso because i feel like i got the vibe that he was he just his whole thing is to corrupt people and like find the badness in them somewhere so that he can latch onto them (laughs) right exactly um but i'm sure he's gonna you know once he becomes like i don't know a person or something he's gonna have a whole villain monologue but i guess like it's just not as interesting so far versus like what's happening with the jsa side of things um but that's pretty much it and i mean i just dislike the fact that um mike is on cindy's isa or injustice unlimited list i'm like no not mike (laughs) (laughs) this poor child please leave him alone (laughs) um do i don't think we had any feedback so Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna skip over to predictions do we have any (laughs) no (laughs) i feel i had one it was a fleeting thought in my mind and then it it went somewhere (laughs) oh mcniter yeah um I'm wondering if, because um, I, I forget like the reason why she lost Chuck in season one, but I'm wondering if like her difficulty in getting him back, like, because I don't really know like the timeline of Eclipso, whether there's like time travel involved or like you know, did something happen in the past with McNider's family that didn't happen before, and is that part of the reason why? Beth can't get back in touch with him because Eclipso messed up something in McKnighter's past that caused him to change and go in a different direction. I don't know. Um, so that I'm interested in. And then there was something else that I was interested in that I just cannot for the life of me remember at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, I, I don't have anything. Because, you know, I never do. So, <laughs> moving into Lady with Gumption of the Week. Who do we nominate for Legends and Stargirl this week? Oh, gosh. It's a tough one. Kayla? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say Kayla yeah. for Legends. <laughs> yeah, Kayla for Legends. Kayla for Legends. <laughs> um, came right back and she said, yeah. No. <laughs> for star girl i want to say jenny jenny definitely for episode two yeah i feel like that bleeds into episode okay. one so i think we can go jenny yeah kayla yeah. versus right. jenny right final would, showdown okay. battle of the guest stars <laughs> i would say i would say uh jenny then jenny for sure. <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> 
Yes, completely agree. All right, Jenny oh, is our. I remember yes. Jenny was my other prediction because I think like she left. Uh, where did she go? I think she went to go find her brother. Obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Todd, yeah. like the little car that she had. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I hope that they're gonna show us that though. I don't want her to like just show back up in Blue Valley with him in tow. Sad times. <laughs> <laughs> Expect too much. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, something something would have to happen because you know, if he is in a different family, I doubt that she's gonna take him and try and build because she doesn't have anything. Like she's still a kid, and she can't stay over there because if she stays over there, then we don't get her back over here. So something's yeah. gotta go down for that. That's just right, gonna right. have to adopt some more children, you know, As just grow the family. Should. <laughs> um, all right jenny is our lady of the gumption of the week this week tune back in next week where we discuss legends supergirl and stargirl um yeah supergirl's back next week with uh kara and friends you got any kind of first vibes to tease um i yes i would say like the the episode was very strong in terms of the emotional core of the episode like there was a lot of good focus on kara specifically and you know kind of getting trying to move past the trauma of like what the phantom zone did to her and her fear and how she sort of like reacclimates to her regular life um in terms of like her job and her relationships with people so yeah good episode so lots to look forward to yeah, and then Stargirl and Legends of Tomorrow. So tune back in next week. Otherwise, you can find us at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, where we live tweet all the shows that air on broadcast networks. Mm-hmm. And um, on Tumblr at ladieswgumption.tumblr.com. And if you have any feedback, you can send it our way to ladieswgumption at gmail.com. And until next time, fare thee well. Goodbye. Bye.